You're listening to the Nitty Gritty Podcast with Jen Gall and Shona Hutchings, where they discuss the nitty gritty of creative entrepreneurship. Welcome to episode nine of the Nitty Gritty Podcast. Today, we're talking all about finances, and we have a bookkeeper on, and her name is Lori Aiken. Nice to have you on, Lori. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome to the show. We're excited about this topic um, personally, and I know a lot of our listeners have also asked questions. I know that's one that it's always met with both excitement and dread at the same time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's such a good way to put it. Um, So we would love to know a little bit more about you. If you could give us a little intro into who you are, what you do, and how you started your business. Sure. So uh, I've been in finance for 25 years, pretty much since I left high school. Uh, in various aspects of personal finance for most of that time, from retail day-to-day banking uh, to credit card services, investment planning services, all those sorts of things. Um, When I was at the last investment planning firm, it was there that I really realized that I prefer working with clients who are at the start of their financial journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really enjoy teaching them how everything works, how to make it work the best for them, and how to keep it simple so that it isn't overwhelming. And so it was all of that that sort of led me to take the leap and can the corporate life and work 80 hours a week instead of 40. (laughs) (laughs) I say that that all the time. Yeah, We're like entrepreneurs are such funny people that we work the eight-hour weeks, 80-hour weeks to avoid the 40-hour weeks. Yeah. It's it's true, but at the same time. It's true, but at the same time, you know, once you find that thing that you really love, then you don't feel like you're working. Mm -hmm, 100%. Yeah, it's great. Okay, so our first question for you would be, what are some best practices? Specifically, we're going to talk about entrepreneurs or people starting out their business um, for keeping track of their finances. Okay, so first and foremost is always going to be separate your business banking from your personal banking. Right. And I know that we've got that question sort of further down the list as well, and we'll touch on it again. Um, but you you always want to maintain black and white. Personal and business never mix. As soon as you get into a gray area situation, uh, if you're ever audited by CRA, then they're just going to dig into all aspects of your life. So mm-hmm. keep your business separated from your personal. Plus, it also simplifies because you'll have less transactions to try and deal with. Oh, I never even thought about it that way in terms of yeah. like, if, you know, in the in the event that you do get audited, they like take, they would see everything. Absolutely. And they'll, they'll even go so far as to um, cross-referencing your scheduling calendar and your mileage log against your transactions to verify what's legitimate and what's not. Oh, actually, that's a great question that I have for you. So um, in terms of the mileage log, what, how do you recommend doing that? So that's something that I struggle with because like usually when I pay for gas, I pay for on my, like my personal account. Mm-hmm. And then like, how, like, how do you do that? Cause you have to account for that when you do your taxes. Correct? Okay. So, uh, when we deal with business use of home and business use of auto, those are okay. things that don't actually go in your actual books on a monthly basis, your business books, that is. So you will go ahead and continue to pay for those things with your personal payment methods, your personal checking account, your personal credit card. Um, at the end of the year, when you go to do your taxes is when you tally up all of that information, figure out what percentage of your business use of home or business use of auto is actually for business purposes. 
and make make those calculations so that you can claim those expenses on your taxes. Um, and so, sorry, so when you say business use of home, you mean like if you have an office? Exactly. Um, Any sort using... of workspace at home um, that's either office space or a production or work area can be claimed as business use in the home. Awesome. Okay, so yeah. speaking about taxes, <laughs> um, when should someone starting out their business or an entrepreneur start charging HST? It's sort of a double-sided question. Um, the, the official ruling is that as soon as you are grossing $30,000 a year, you have no choice but to start charging HST. Uh, and a lot of people, if they aren't, a lot of new business owners, if they're not keeping really good track of their books, they might hit that threshold and not discover it for months or sometimes even years later, in which case then they have to go back and pay HST to CRA for all that time. So keeping up on your books right from the very beginning is really important because then when you hit that milestone, you'll know right away. Um, the other option is to voluntarily choose to charge HST right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And you might want to do that for a couple of different reasons. Firstly, um, it, it shows your customers, uh, uh, it gives the impression of legitimacy. When you're a new business and you charge tax, people associate that as, with, as being an official business. So that's one way, just sort of for optics. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing too is if you are producing or reselling a product, if you start off not charging HST and eventually then have to start changing, charging HST, your customers feel like you're, um, in, you're passing along a 13% rate hike to them. Even right, though they yeah. know it's taxes, it's a, it's a shock to their system if, if it's the type of product where you sell to them regularly. Um, in which case, charging HST right from the get-go means you never have that bump in cost to your clients. Right. That's a good point. And what about if you're opting in, let's say you haven't made that $30,000 in the 12 consecutive months. Um, if you're opting in, what about when you're buying um, products for your business or you're, you're paying HST out of pocket for a business expense? Would there be a point to opt in for HST to kind of try and get that money back? Yeah, that was, that was totally my next question. <laughs> Absolutely. So a service-based business like myself, I don't have a lot of expenses. Uh, so there are aren't a lot of, I'm not paying a lot of HST to run my business. Mm -hmm. So I don't benefit from that in a big way. But if you're a business that produces a product or buys a product and resells it, you have a lot of expenses every month, in which case uh, choosing to charge HST means you also get to claim the HST that you have paid back. They call it an input tax credit. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So if you, if you're a reseller or a merchandiser or a manufacturer charging or getting signed up to collect and get rebated for your HST can be very beneficial for your cash flow. Right. Yeah, that's a good idea. So I'm going to get like right into the nitty gritty of this. Go for How it. do you get an HST number? Okay. Well, you may or may not have already registered for uh, a CRA business number. It's often referred to as just your BN. It's a nine-digit number, looks kind of like a SIN number, but it's a, it's a business number with CRA. It's not to be confused with an Ontario or a City of London business license. Uh, your CRA business number is for tax purposes only. So if you've already registered for a CRA business number, then it's just a matter of going back into your CRA My Business Account portal online and adding on the HST component. 
Okay, awesome. I totally, when I called them, I totally gave them my business number and, or like my business license number. And they were like, no, that's not <laughs> what we're looking for. They're like really intense there. Um, well, at least the individual I got. And I was so confused when I did it. Um, and I've even like, even Googling it, I was trying to find all the information and it was, you made that sound so simple. So I, <laughs> I appreciate that. Perfect. Because yeah, when I did that, it was, I was so confused. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot of details that all have similar names and titles, so it's easy to get them mixed up. Exactly. And as much as they have a ton of information on their websites and they kind of walk you through step by step, like you were saying, right, that a lot of it's titled the same. So I thought I had all the information and then. Okay, and let's be totally honest. The government websites are so hard to navigate. They yeah, are. There's nice. so much information and they're just, yeah, they're a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so the next question we have is based on invoicing. So what do you recommend are some of the best invoicing practices for small business? Okay, well, first of all, you want to make sure that you have all of your business information on your invoice. So your business name, uh, location if applicable, all the ways in which to contact you. If you uh, have a business, a CRA business number or an HST number, make sure that those are on there. Uh, Of course, for completeness and for professionalism, you'll also want to have full details for your customers that you're invoicing. Uh, Payment terms are always going to be important. You want your customer to know what is due and when they need to pay it by. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can also include service dates. So if you are the type of business where you have appointments um, with your clients, the service date is sometimes a helpful piece of information on an invoice. Um, and you might also want to include, uh, an attachment of any terms and conditions, depending on the type of business. Right. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, I never even thought of doing that. <laughs> You're just blowing our minds, Lori. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> um, so this is something I struggled with a lot when I first started my, my full business. I was starting with Wave because it was inexpensive as like a financial program. And then my business grew and I needed something a little bit more um, in depth. So I jumped onto QuickBooks. Mm -hmm. QuickBooks, I feel like to me is the equivalent of WordPress when you first start it. It is like not user-friendly unless you understand all of the terms. So what would you recommend for whether you are like starting off from the very beginning and you need to start kind of tracking something a bit more legitimate or maybe you kind of have growing, like what's the best financial program that you would recommend? In my opinion, QuickBooks is the gold standard. Uh, It does come with three different package options. So there is sort of a scaled down, easy start version. The essentials version is sort of the middle of the road and the plus system version or plus package um, gives you additional categorizing functionality like accounts payable, classes and locations, things like that, that a starting business might not need but would upgrade to later. QuickBooks has been around for a long time, originally in a desktop format where you had to buy the software outright and install Mm -hmm. it on your computer. Now they have the option of the online version, which is a subscription service. The beauty of that is you can take care of your business books, even if you're sitting on the beach in Maui. Um, So it has, yeah, it has, there's (laughs) actually a bookkeeper in Manitoba who runs her practice six months out of Manitoba and six months out of Hawaii. 
oh, because so you can do that. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. So QuickBooks is has the most fully featured functionality. It has a great longstanding track record. Uh, the accounting firms that you might work with for your accountants or tax preparers should all be familiar with it as well. So it puts you on a level playing field with the rest of the business world. That being said, it it's a lot. It's a lot mm-hmm. of information, a lot of functionality, and it can be overwhelming at first. But to contact uh, somebody who is a QuickBooks certified pro advisor and have them do a little training with you at the beginning will be the best couple of hundred dollars you've ever spent, and it'll set you up for success. So would you recommend doing that at any point? So let's say, for example, I was working with a bookkeeper and I kind of wanted to have a better understanding of QuickBooks just from my own knowledge and my own like understanding of all the terms and where things are. Would you recommend that's like a beneficial investment? Absolutely. Even if you hire a bookkeeper to do your bookkeeping for you, mm-hmm. from a CRA perspective, you are still 100% responsible for your books, even if you're paying someone else to do it for you. So you can't just hand off the shoebox of receipts right. and put your head in this ha- the sand and, and you know wipe your hands of it. You're still responsible as a business owner to make sure that you understand how your books work and how they're operating and what everything means. Uh, the the responsibility is always going to land on your shoulders. So ensuring that you know how that works, even if you don't want to do the work on a weekly basis, that's totally fine, but you need to know how and why it works. Oh my God. You just took like the biggest weight off my shoulders. That has been on my mind. I feel like forever, just because I, Sean and I have been very transparent in this podcast that finances are like not, <laughs> it's not something we enjoy doing. Of course. Um, and I'm sure that a lot of people can relate to that, but, and I do like, I have a, I do have a bookkeeper and, um, she does manage my books, but at the same time, it's like, I don't fully understand how all of it works. It's just not how my brain works. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point it's like, do I just invest in a class and like try to figure out what's going on and like understanding all of the backend information, but oh, I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to have someone walk me through it on the advisor piece. Absolutely. Lori, would you be someone that would offer like a service like that to go through QuickBooks or how would one go about like trying to be educated? Yeah, can I hire you to do that? (laughs) You can absolutely hire me to do that. In fact, I actually spend a lot of my time each month doing QuickBooks setups for new businesses. So it's, uh, if they they don't yet have the platform and need it, completely set up from scratch. I take care of all of that for them. I customize it with their logos, um, all of their business information. We make sure that the chart of accounts is appropriate for the type of business that they're running. Set up all of the integrations with whatever other platforms you will have feeding into QuickBooks like Square, Stripe, Mm. uh, the various website commerce pieces, um, PayPal, etc. So we get all that set up. But it's great if it's set up, but it's no good if you don't know how to use it. So then we spend Mm -hmm. four to six hours um, going through and teaching business owners how to do all of the types of transactions that you would do in QuickBooks, like invoicing your customers, uh, receiving payments for those invoices, either in whole or in part, uh, paying your bills, reconciling with the uh, Mm -hmm. bank, like categorizing your bank feed on a frequent basis, but then at the end of the month, reconciling all of that against your bank statement to make sure it matches. 
Um, so all of those things. We teach you all of the ways to use QuickBooks and all of the tips and tricks to make it quick and easy too. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I was going to say that sounds like something we yeah. need. Yeah. Is, <laughs> is, like, is that like an hourly cost? Is that like a package that if someone can buy? If it's a full setup, uh, I have a package price, so there's no surprises. Uh, if you already have QuickBooks and have been using it, then we can go on an hour-by-hour hour basis until you feel like you're up to speed. That's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I feel like so many of those terms I've like had questions with. Mm-hmm. And I don't, to be totally honest, I don't know if many people do that. Like, I feel like a lot of people just have that expectation that you kind of just like hand hand the invoices off and then it's kind of like you're left to your own devices and mm-hmm. all the yeah. programs. Yeah. Um, but that's not really setting your client up for success. So, Exactly. Business finance is, is far more complex than managing your personal expenses at home. So uh, it's important for us to make sure that the business owner knows how, how and why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. Very, very true. <laughs> for sure. Okay. Um, our next question for you is when should someone hire a bookkeeper? Okay. Um, the sort of big, broad answer is when the time that you're spending on doing your books is impeding your ability to manage and develop your business. If you are wasting more time taking care of your books than growing your business, um, making future plans, developing new products, marketing your business, et cetera. If it's taking up too much of your time, uh, then that's certainly that tipping point when you might want to hand things off. That being said, if, if you're a business that already has employees, uh, one of your administrative employees is sometimes a perfect sort of intermediate step to have them do some of that grunt work with receipts and bank statements and whatnot, um, Mm -hmm. in which case they can take off some of that workload before you fully need a bookkeeper. Uh, Then, of course, there are also the people who just absolutely want nothing to do with it whatsoever, Mm -hmm. in which case they'll hire a bookkeeper right out of the starting gate. So there's no right or wrong, but if it's really negatively impacting how you run your business, then it's time to hand it off. Yeah, that's such a good way to put that. And what do you think, if someone were to hire a bookkeeper, what do you think are some questions that they should ask the bookkeeper? Um, the, first of all, the best way to find a bookkeeper is by word of mouth. So if you are a business owner, talk to other business owners, especially in your industry and find out who they're using and do they love them? If they, you know, if they're getting by and the books are getting done and whatnot, that's acceptable. But really and truly you want a good relationship with your bookkeeper. You want to be talking to them regularly. If they have questions about the transactions that are going on, they should be reaching out to you every month to find out how those should be categorized. So you want a bookkeeper that you feel comfortable with, that you, um, you know, feel like is part of the team. Um, Word of mouth is great. Get references from them and talk, call those references and see if they're happy with the person. And the reason why all of that sort of soft skills legwork is so important is because bookkeeping doesn't have a governing body like medicine or law or accounting does. There's no Mm -hmm. licensing agent for bookkeeping. There are some Mm -hmm. bookkeeping associations in Canada that a bookkeeper might be a part of, but that's voluntary. Um, So certainly lots of experience is great, but there are bookkeepers like myself that are new out of the starting gate from a bookkeeping perspective, but have lots of finance experience as well. So um, it's, it's broad. It's Mm -hmm. definitely a broad answer to a question that should be a simple one. (laughs) Something that I love that you had on your website is like, I'm not your mom. I'm not going to treat you like that. (laughs) Like when it comes to your finances. 
And yeah, that, that would be something that I would want because I hate talking finances with my mom. I don't want to be scolded. So I think that's that's a good answer to that question. Just making sure that it's someone that you're like open and can talk with about your finances. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Jen, you want to ask this next question? Yeah, I feel like we did um, touch on this a little bit where it's you're looking at your business money versus personal money differently and keeping them separate. But I think if we go even deeper into that, it's like, how do we um, calculate how much we should pay ourselves? So obviously, um, let's say, for example, with QuickBooks, you have your owner's withdrawals, which is what you're actually like taking out of your business and giving to yourself or putting into your personal account. But how would you recommend calculating what to pay yourself as a business owner and running your business? Yeah, that is really complicated. And it's been... <laughs> It's going to be as different as every single business is. So as if we're talking sole proprietors, most business startups are sole proprietors. Um, essentially, whatever your profit or loss is for the business at the end of the year is what you're paying tax on. So if you're keeping track of whether or not your business is making money or not making money each month, that first of all will start to give you an idea of what tax bracket you're going to fall into at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. um, so that helps you know, first of all, how much you're going to have to set aside for taxes, Canada pension, and perhaps EI if you've opted into EI. Um, so that's sort of a, a, as you look through the year down to the end of the year, that's kind of on your mind. As on a month to month basis, it'll depend really individually on your your family financial situation. You know, do you need to contribute a thousand dollars a month to your family household budget to keep every that you know everybody's head above water? If that's the case, then do you have enough money left over in the business at the end of each month after expenses are paid to give yourself that thousand dollars? At the beginning, the answer might be no, in which case you may have to pay yourself less than what you actually need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's really tricky at first. Do you think that there's ever like a, some sort of equation that people can kind of just like plug in numbers? I mean, like I've always done it where like you work backwards, say you have how much you want to make in a year and then you work backwards in terms of like how many clients you need, how much money, like how much overall money you need to bring in, like what are your expenses, take that off, um, all those kind of, you know, touch points. But then I've also heard the route where it's like figure out like still figure out how much you want to make and then how much you need to charge everybody and then like all their, all your clients and then double that exactly. to cover for taxes. But yeah, I don't really know if there is really like, there's, there's way. no, yeah, there's no finite calculation I can give you to Darn. calculate no, that. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. It's so tough, uh, especially too in the beginning when a business is, is really in its infancy and every month is a bit of a guessing game you're really having to figure it out as you go along. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever feel, and maybe this goes back to like the comment on the website where it's like, I'm not your mom. Um, but have you ever had that situation where you're looking at and you're doing someone's bookkeeping and like they're constantly in the red or like they're not paying themselves? Like, do you ever have that conversation or like point that out? Or is that just kind of like up to the discretion of, your client is that like an ethics 
breach or <laughs> um I don't know if that's a valid question. To ask. Right. Well, it depends. I mean, certainly I do have some clients who still have some of their personal information mixed in with their business books. So there's there's no way for me to not see that. <laughs> right. Um, and so when I signed up that client and we got started, we had that conversation where I had to say to them, listen, if if you're if your personal transactions are mixed in with your books, I can't avoid seeing that information. So you have to be comfortable with me knowing how much you spend on Christmas shopping or at the beer right. store. But we're all spending money on Christmas shopping and at the beer store. So it doesn't matter. I don't care how much you spend there. Um, however, I try my best in in a comfortable period of time to help clients move away from having the personal and the business mixed in together. Firstly, mm -hmm. of course, it's a lot fewer transactions to take care of in your business books. So mm -hmm. it makes it easier for everybody. And also, nobody needs Big Brother. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> you really don't. Like, we have enough people watching us on the internet, and CRA is keeping tabs on what we're doing. There's, there's enough monitoring of what goes on in our lives. You don't need somebody knowing how you spend your money for your personal life. Mm -hmm. So I, I encourage people to, to keep that to themselves. Yeah, for sure. Do yeah. you, do you have like a bank that you usually recommend going with for small businesses? Typically my clients have already been set up with whatever bank they chose in the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, so we tend to just go with whatever they're using already. And to be honest, it's kind of like surveying a hundred people on what their favorite auto manufacturer is. You can have two people who bought a Ford truck that came off the same line in the same week and one's a lemon and one's not. Right. Um, so, it, you know, it's much the same with banks. Some people have had a great experience with one bank, whereas another client has struggled with that bank. So it's really hit and miss. So it doesn't matter on that, like on your front, kind of who they're with. Exactly. And okay. they've typically made that choice long before they came to see me. Right. Okay. Um, the next money about business and personal money, do you have any recommendation? Let's say your business is doing well, um, how much money you should be saving just to grow your business? Mm -hmm. Again, not a hard and fast answer, <laughs> but um, certain types of businesses will find this to be a more important topic than others. Myself, I'm a one-woman show. My it, I work from a home office. Mm -hmm. um, I don't produce a physical product. So my business model is really, really simple. Um, so aside from knowing that I'm probably going to need a new cell phone this year and last year my computer died, you know, those sorts of things, the equipment that allows me to do my business, um, a, a service-based business like myself doesn't need to put away as much as a manufacturing business or a retail business would. If you mm -hmm. have a business property, like a, a customer-facing retail environment, or a manufacturing facility, or if you're producing enough of a product that you have a warehouse, all of those types of business models are going to have a much higher volume of expenses each month and a much higher list of things that could go wrong and cost money. Mm -hmm. So sure. those types of businesses are going to want to put away maybe two or three times as much as a service-based business like myself would. Right. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. How much would you... How much would you recommend putting aside for your taxes? I know you can like gauge 
on like what tax bracket you're in, but mm-hmm. like, I mean, rule of thumb, I've been told like 20, 25% of each, let's say transaction, but is there like a hard and fast rule for that, that we should be implementing as like a best practice for taxes? Uh, definitely not a hard and fast rule. If nothing else, we're, we're definitely giving everybody that impression today because that's almost the answer for every question. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes. Uh, so, I mean, your first tax bracket, um, the tax rates went, well, income tax didn't go up this year, but CPP did. So mm-hmm. if, if you, in the first tax bracket, you're looking at 15% federal tax, uh, 5.05% Ontario income tax, uh, the two portions of CPP, the employee and the employer portion are now 10.2% combined. EI went down a little bit, so now we're at 3.89%. If you do the math, that's 34.14% potentially that you would have to fork over to CRA at the end of the year. Now, Ooh. keep Oh, that's so much higher than I thought <laughs> it would be. I know. However, keeping in mind, that doesn't take into account the fact that you will have expenses throughout the year. Right. So, sure, you might make $50,000 in revenue, but if you had $25,000 in expenses, what's left over is 25000 So you would pay on that, which is certainly within the first mm-hmm. tax bracket. Mm-hmm. And I mean, once, you know, that, that kind of gives you what the business made. And then when you tie that into your personal taxes, you might have health expenses that you're deducting or children's programs or school programs or all of those sorts of things that further reduce what you have to pay to CRA. Uh, so yes, the the sort of twenty to twenty five percent rule is a pretty safe estimate. And then just to kind of go a little bit um, deeper and explain, can you just kind of go over the tax brackets and what that looks like for like a small business? Okay, with a small business, essentially what the business has made at the end of the year is what you're claiming as income as a sole proprietor assuming you don't have income from other sources like pensions, employment income, et cetera. So if we're talking strictly about what did the business make, mm-hmm. at the end of the year, revenue minus cost of goods sold minus expenses will leave you hopefully with a tidy net profit. And that's going to be your business income for the year. Um, and that's what you're going to put onto your personal taxes and determine how much tax that you have to pay. What about someone who has two jobs? So I'm only asking because some people like will have it as a side hustle, of course. Um, such as myself. So if you have a full-time job and then you're doing, uh, let's say either a service or product-based business on the side, how would they go about like figuring out tax bracket at the end of the year? So would it be separate for their business versus their career that they're doing? Or would, would you put them the same, like on the same form? Right. Uh, as a Good sole question. proprietor, You and the business are sort of like two columns, or sometimes I call it two silos, Mm -hmm. but you're joined at the hip. You and the business are synonymous with one another, and that SIN number, your social insurance number, is what ties you together. Right. So the business certainly is its own entity and has all of its own financial numbers and and a value at the end of the year that says how much you made, but then you have to turn around and carry that over to your personal income tax return. Mm-hmm. And, and go through all of the steps on your personal income tax return to determine how much you're going to have to pay in taxes and CPP and potentially EI. So for anybody who has employment income, 
and self-employment income that's all going to get added together on your personal income tax return and could bump you up into a higher tax bracket. Right. Okay. So people need to make sure that they keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My goodness. Me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, our last thing basically we wanted to ask would be, what do you think the biggest takeaway is for an entrepreneur or a small business from what we've talked about today? It's definitely much easier and much cheaper in the long run to learn how to take care of your books properly right from the start than it is to clean up a big mess later on. Mm -hmm. Uh, I attended one of the small business seminar classes when I was first starting my business, and there was the loveliest woman there who was starting the second business that she had ever tried in her life. The first one had not gone well and ended up costing her almost $3,000 in accounting fees to clean up a massive bookkeeping mess. Uh, And she stood up in the class and said, I implore you, learn from my mistakes. (laughs) Get somebody to help you from the beginning so you don't end up in a situation like that. So a couple of hundred dollars at the beginning to learn how to use either an accounting platform Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, to pay a bookkeeper to handle things for you each month from the beginning. That money spent could save you countless thousands later on. Definitely. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And most okay. bookkeepers are happy to meet with you uh, with for a free consultation to, to determine whether or not, first of all, that the client and the bookkeeper are a good fit for each other mm-hmm. and, um, and whether or not the bookkeeper can provide the services that the business is looking for. So a free consultation will help you determine whether or not the two of you are a good pairing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of all of the questions we have had and that our listeners have asked, but I'm curious to know if there's anything else that you would like to, whether it's tell creatives or small businesses about finances, if maybe there's something that we didn't cover or haven't chatted about that you think would be beneficial for um, small businesses to know. Sure. Um, First of all, if you have not if you're either starting up a business or newly into being a business owner, if you have not visited the Small Business Center here in London, I encourage you to do so. They're terrific. They have lots of free seminars um, that provide lots of basic business startup information. And even if you end up not learning a whole lot over what you've already dug up on your own, being in that environment with other like-minded people and hearing what they're going through as well can be so incredibly beneficial to everybody in the room. So I encourage everybody to do that, first of all. Additionally, um, you know, you want, you don't want to overcomplicate things. Businesses often want to track every little minute piece of financial data when they first start out. But the magical thing is that the CRA self-employment business form has a whole 14 categories on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you don't need to break your financial information down into really nitty gritty detail, especially if you have accounting software, because a simple query or uh, a report can be customized to extract anything you need out of there. So don't overcomplicate things. Simple mm-hmm. categories are great. Uh, additionally, if you're Consulting a bookkeeper, either to have them do the books for you or to provide you with some training, have them help you create processes that are small and repeatable and doable. Because mm-hmm. if, if you try to do your, your bookkeeping each week and you feel like you're climbing Mount Everest, 
you're automatically going to put that at the bottom of your priority list and it'll get pushed off and pushed off and pushed off until it's an insurmountable mountain to climb. Uh, So if you can develop small little routines, whether it's five or 10 minutes a day of dealing with your receipts, filing them away, making sure that the customers have been invoiced or what have you, um, you know, when you can do small tasks frequently, then they're not a big chunk of your time in the day. But as soon as you get past about a week, I could ask any business owner that I meet what went on in their business last week. They have no clue. (laughs) No clue. But I, I can ask them what's happening in the business this week and they're on top of it. So as soon as, literally, as soon as things get more than a week or so from when they happened, it that's history now. Mm-hmm. So keep keep on top of it daily if you can for small things like daily sales or dealing with receipts, weekly for checking on payments or going to the bank, and definitely reconcile against the bank every single month. Oh, that's amazing. I love that you like broke that down so so nice and simple. Mm-hmm. So this is a great opportunity to ask if anyone is interested in your services or reaching out to you, what is the best way to connect with you? We will have all of the additional information on our show notes, but for those listening right now, what's the best way to connect with you? They can contact me either through my website at lauriekaken.com or they can email me lori, L-O-R-I at lauriekaken.com. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I certainly provide a free consultation because, uh, you know, it shouldn't cost you to go on a fact-finding mission and see whether or not I'm the right fit for you. I do run a very specific kind of business. I only uh, operate with QuickBooks Online, and I use a document management program called HubDoc that does a lot of the legwork work for us, fetching bank statements and whatnot that takes the workload off the business owner. Um, so I, I definitely have one of those sort of remote work from anywhere kind of bookkeeping practices. And that's not for everybody. Somebody, there are still a lot of businesses that want a bookkeeper to come on site for six hours every Friday. And there are bookkeepers who will do that for you. It's just not me. No, that's perfect. Yeah. So I just, I have to thank you so much because that was so informative. And my mind is blown. I'm just sitting here in silence Same. because I'm like, I need to listen to this again and get all of her information. <laughs> no, that's I, great. Go ahead. Yeah. Go and ahead. if you think of anything else whatsoever, please don't hesitate to email me with questions um, or contact me on Instagram or on Facebook. Um, I'm happy to answer questions through any of those channels whatsoever. I would much rather have somebody ask a question than sit and stew about it or worry about it or be afraid to call CRA. Uh, A question can usually be answered quickly and easily. And if that sets you up for success, I'm happy to do so. Oh, amazing. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, As as you said, this was so informative and I know so many people who listen will really, really enjoy this and, and learn so much from this. Um, As I said previously as well, all of this information whether it's the key um, topics that we talked about today and all of Lori's information will be found in our show notes on both Hutchings and Co and Something Simple's websites. Um, And then we will also be talking about a few things on Instagram as well. Did you have anything to add? No, just, I just wanted to say thanks again, Lori. Uh, I learned a lot personally, so I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there who are going to really benefit from our chat. 
Um, thank you for taking some time out of your day today as well to talk to us for the past uh, 40 minutes. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Every single business is as individual as two people's fingerprints are. So um, it just make sure that you find the help that you need to meet your particular business's needs. Awesome. Okay. You want to close out, Jen? I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) thanks for listening, everyone. That is it for episode nine of the Nitty Gritty Podcast. We want to thank Lori Aitken for coming on with us today, and we will talk to you guys next week. Have a great day, guys. Bye. Goodbye. That's all for this week's podcast with Jen Gall and Shona Hutchings. Tune in next week for more Nitty Gritty. 